Impact Hustlers, the podcast on entrepreneurs and changemakers that are creating solutions to the world's biggest problems. Impact Hustlers is brought to you by Fast Forward 2030 and Real Changers. Visit fastforward.com to learn how to include the global goals into your business model and realchangers.com to find talent and careers with impact. And this is your host, Maiko Shafrat. In today's episode, I speak to Lina Shan and Tyler Christie, founders of Adia Health, a startup that helps couples test and improve their fertility with a simple at-home test. Adia has recently graduated from the Zinc program, a company builder aiming to solve the developed world's biggest problems. Now the company has raised investment from Seedcamp and is testing its product with the first users. It's great to have you on Impact Hustlers. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining. Um, You're actually not just co-founders, but you're also a couple. You're married. And uh, Adia Health was born out of a very personal experience for you guys. Can, us, can, can you tell us a bit more about that experience and why Adia Health came out of that? Yeah, absolutely. So Tyler and I met at business school. And I think like many couples, when you graduate after business school, your focus is very much a career. So We left the U.S., moved to England, and basically throughout my early to mid-30s, that was, that was my focus. I, I wanted to build on my career. The last thing we really thought about was, was um, getting pregnant. We got married, but then once we did get married, we were like, okay, you know, you're 35, maybe we should start trying because you always have this notion that you're heading towards 40 and your fertility falls off a cliff. Um, but then both of us came from pretty big families. So I personally never thought it was going to be hard. I actually thought it would be pretty easy. And it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't easy at all. It was probably one of the hardest things we've done. Um, and we faced uh, as individuals and as a couple. My first pregnancy ended up as a stillbirth. Uh, my second pregnancy was a miscarriage. And th I think the trauma of, of all of that just meant that it, it was quite hard for me to conceive. So it took me over a year to conceive. So all of that just even kept just opening more and more can of worms for me where I just kept thinking, how can I have been so unprepared for this? And just also realizing that the whole service was really fragmented. Um, so after a number of months, um, after our first loss, I, I kind of reached a turning point where my first doctor had said to me like, oh, the chances of this happening to you again is just so low that you should just go ahead and you know continue with your life and continue as you are. And something just didn't sit right for me. I thought, Yes, you know, maybe, maybe this is completely unexplained, but I, I owed it to myself to kind of go after any answers, even if the answer was there was no explanation for what happened to you. So I, I was kind of like on a mission for a few months to find the right doctor and, um, and really kind of like ask, you know, can you, can you figure out what happened? And I was really lucky to find this one doctor. And, um, and I think my life really changed on that day that I met him. And he said to me, he said, you know, unfortunately, obstetrics today is very reactive. A lot of the times when a woman walk into my office, it's almost too late. I can't really do anything. And um, what we need to do is help women become more and more proactive about their about their um, health and their reproductive health specifically. So he actually told us not to try to conceive for a couple of months until he did all his investigation um, and not just me. 
um, Tyler too, because, you know, we're 50-50. And I think women often um, just carry it all on their own shoulder. They blame themselves for everything, but really you're 50% of the equation. So we did a battery of tests. We actually were lucky enough to find out what was causing it. They identified that I actually had a precondition. And then um, he put a plan in place. Uh, I started taking prenatals a lot earlier. Um, Tyler did too. Uh, and then um, under his care, we managed to conceive uh, our two girls. So. Well, amazing story. Um, I mean, obviously a very sad story to begin with, but um, amazing in terms of how you managed to turn it around. And now, now you're bringing out this product that's uh, supposed to help people out there to deal with this problem. How, how big is this problem? I mean, obviously, it's not you alone that have suffered from this. How big is this problem? How many people are facing it? Yeah, Can you uh, quantify mi that? millions of women, um, 30% of couples uh, struggle with subfertility, one in four pregnancies end in loss, and uh, one in five women will experience some form of um, perinatal mental health uh, distress. So it's very, very common. It's millions of women around the world. And but unfortunately, it's such a taboo subject. So often you go through it and you think you're the only person that is going through it. But actually, once you start opening up, and I've, and I've recently um, really encouraged women to speak up. I think Michelle Obama has done an amazing job um, for that. Just kind of like, you know, she, she's somebody that people think have the perfect life. But now she's kind of really talked about how it's been challenging. And, and, and when you take a step back, a ton of women around the world is having this challenge, but they feel so ashamed to talk about it. So um, once you start talking about it, you actually that's when you realize like I am really not alone like there's a ton of women out there going through this and and that's why I think we're 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 in this point where there's a massive wave around um changing changing their services changing the way we talk about it and changing how women demand um, um help and and support for it all mm -hmm. so the first product you have developed is an at-home test kit for fertility can you walk us through how this works and how this could have helped you when you went through this or how, how this helps people actually solve that problem? Yeah. So, yeah, so we've partnered actually with another uh, seed camp portfolio, Thriva, and they help us deliver the at-home um, test. And it's, it's, it's very easy. You receive a, a kit at home, you take a little uh, finger prick and you fill it fill up a vial and you send it to the labs and then we get the results. We've worked together with uh, a fertility specialist from um, St. Mary's Hospital who basically developed the panel of the fertility hormones that we need to diagnose. Uh, and through that, we're then able to understand a woman's like actual egg reserve, uh, whether she's ovulating regularly and her general um, hormonal health. And what we're doing here is we're really trying to empower women and make them more confident that if everything's fine, they know it's fine and they can carry on doing things the way they've been doing it. But if things aren't fine, you don't have to wait six months or one year to find out that it's not fine. You've been dealing it dealing with it at day one and what we really want to do is eventually now now we have um, most of the women who come to us they're already in the path of trying to conceive and want to, we want to start moving that dialogue to a lot earlier so as soon as women are aware of their reproductive health um, and you know think that that's in their horizon we encourage them to to start having that dialogue understanding their body understanding their choices um, because I think the the sooner you you understand how your body works and what, know what your goals are, you can then get those to marry rather than kind of 
what happened to me getting into my mid to late thirties and being in a frenzy and just being super stressed out that my, the, the clock was ticking and, and it's just not a very pleasant place to be. Um, so that's kind of, so that's kind of like our step one. Um, I previously spoke to Hamish from Thriver on one of the previous episodes, um, which I would say is probably one of the pioneers in at-home blood testing in the UK. And uh, they're really kind of uh, pushing the boundaries on that, that people test their blood at home and uh, watch their health more regularly at home. And your solution is similar in terms of the approach that I test at home as well. Um, do you think there's a general trend that we'll be doing and watching our health much more closely at home um, and not have to rely on doctors or yeah are you yeah. part of the bigger trend here or yeah. is this is this just a step to the to the big vision yeah i mean i think i think there is a trend where um not just women but men but i think people in general uh want to take a bit more control of their health and they don't necessarily want to be going to a clinic and booking and you know like taking th a few hours out of your schedule to go to the clinic or book and wait and all that so there's a uh, there's a trend of people wanting to just have the ease of it and i think technology has really kind of bridged that gap um i think also it's Im it's important to put tests though where tests belong um, because I think um, we, we ought to facilitate and help people um, test and identify issues early, but you need to provide the right support at the same time because not everybody will be within range. There, there will be people who will be, um, I, you know, some, some problem might be identified and, and, and that's what we want to do. So if there's something wrong, we want to be able to identify it early, but it's really important that you then provide the right support for these people along, along their, um, journey. So, um, it's not about cutting out completely the medical experts and the medical support but is really kind of empowering people to have a, that dialogue a lot sooner and a lot more informed because um, I think I mean I know I remember getting those reports from uh, the labs and going what, what does this mean you know so for example our report really contextualizes the science breaks it down into a way where it's very kind of consumer friendly um, but the whole database has been developed by the doctors it's just that the way it talks to somebody it's in, in a way that you can really understand um, And also as part of like our product, it starts with the test, but really the core of our product is really helping women improve their preconception health. So we really help them plan around it because the test is just giving you the baseline, but then how do you then improve it over time? And that's where kind of most of our product sits is, is providing that plan and, and the expert support. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, you know, one thing, I've actually had a very long relationship with uh, the healthcare industry. My father was a cardiologist in the United States. And so I've seen this evolution of healthcare over several decades and you know it's it doesn't take much to look in the news and find that we basically are facing a crisis of you know how are we going to deliver quality health care to uh, an aging population or a changing population and whereas a lot of healthcare services like what we're talking about here are, are reactive that gets to be very expensive and so i don't see another way frankly and i don't see any other better ideas or solutions besides providing you know lower costs, more easily accessible, proactive care that keeps people from having to even go into the system, or at least helps to route them to where they're going to get the best you know, care in the system. So instead of going to a GP and then getting referred and going into, you know, that all adds cost on the system that uh, is just not going to work. Um, and, and obviously is not working for a lot of people. So when we think about it as a trend, there's the consumer side of convenience, certainly, and we see that. But I think intrinsically, the you know health system 
will need to evolve to that. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and we're seeing it across a lot of different areas, not just in this, but when you even think about you know diabetes or like my father's area, heart disease. You know, and uh, unfortunately, it's taking longer than what my father would have hoped in the 90s. <laughs> but uh, I think we will we will get there. And there's a lot of innovation and services to do that, whether it's you know, Babylon Health or Thriva or, or others. And that's, that's really awesome to see. Hmm. So what I spoke about with Hamish, and I think you guys are on the same trend, is really this, really this big need for prevention, right? Like the whole healthcare system is focused on dealing with the results of, of a lot of things that could be prevented. But you only go to the doctor once, you know, you're, it's already too late, right? So that's the exciting thing, I think, to see, you know, like you can actually test at home when you feel perfectly fine, but you can prevent certain things from happening, right? Yeah, and I mean, the unique thing about your fertility, we think, you know, and not wholly unique to fertility, but uh, I think it's particularly uh, sort of relevant in fertility is, is that it's really a journey, Whereas if you have a symptom for a disease and you go in the healthcare and you get that solved, you know, it might be a, a month or two issue. But when you're planning to get pregnant and you're trying to get pregnant, you conceive or you struggle to conceive, that can be a, a multi-year issue. And then maybe you have another kid and you go through it again. Um, and so what we focus on actually is, you know, what we think of as care pathways in a, in a real journey that people have. So when you think about these tests, it's great to have the tests. Um, and there are others who are providing tests, but it's really important to provide the that within a context of where a user's at, their their age, their history, a context in a lot of current labs or clinics that just give you the, you know, anti-Mullerian hormone test result figure, um, but don't really help you interpret that or understand how that fits into your life, um, don't help people with that journey. And often you know, what we see with some women is that it's actually a disservice sometimes because they get very scared and they don't know what to do with that. And so um, it's really important. And I think we'll see that even more in healthcare of providing people, you know, assisted journeys throughout their pathways, especially for chronic conditions or long-term conditions where it takes kind of persistent care um, to help people through that, you know, such as cancer or even diabetes or other areas. And um, fertility, we can certainly see, as you can see from our story, it's definitely a journey. I'd like to focus on an issue, and it's good to have you here, Tyler, as well for that, is uh, when I research the topic a bit, it seems really like everybody's talking about fertility as a woman's issue or something that women have to worry about. And a lot of content out there is focused on women. And when I went to your website, one of the first things I saw is actually, Tyler, your blog post about how your experience affected you and so on, which I found quite great to see, like in terms of, you know, this is not just a woman's issue. This is a issue for couples, for both men and women. So how, how do you think about that? And in terms of what's your approach as well to kind of get this awareness out, you know, men have to worry about this too, and they actually play a role in it, and they might be the cause of fertility issues as well. Certainly, I think there's a there's a lot going on with this, right? And I mean, the one thing I'm trying to do is just in sharing my own story to uh, take that first uh, um, you know plunge a bit. Um, and I think hopefully that can uh, spark more people to to do that is is one way. Um, but uh, you know, it's a bit more complicated than that. You know, when when I was, I think when I was a kid, even I knew I wanted to have kids. So and. Uh, I just always thought it would be easy. You know, I just thought it would happen and, you know, that was fine. And so then when, and, th- and then when we had complications and, and miscarriage and loss, um, you know, I, I felt like this power position that men think they have all the time and being able to care and take care of solutions, I realized that I, I didn't have any of that because there was nothing I could do 
I felt like, you know, with that. Um, and that's, uh, you know, I think that's going to be really uh, complicating for men and their role and their image, um, as well as in their relationship. And so making people understand that, you know, that's actually not too uncommon <laughs> to have some of those challenges and that then also there are things that you really can do will be, you know, really helpful for people. Um, and so what we want to, you know, do is, you know, empower women to have those discussions with their partners and empower men with the information they need um, in a di- in a format that's digestible for them. Um, you know, men are very different in this experience. Uh, I don't foresee men having fertility apps on their phones in the near future, but, uh, you know, more men knowing that you know, supplements for them can dramatically boost their chances that, certain other, you know, lifestyle behaviors can really make an impact. And that also, you know, mental health can play a really big role for both partners and particular partner. And so in terms of, you know, caring for your partner, maybe you don't think you can solve the problem, but you can be supportive in ways for your partner that can, you know, actually reduce anxiety and stress. And, and whether that means, you know, doing meditations together, um, like you can find on our product or, um, you know, going to sessions with a doctor together and things like that, that can just, you know, really help their partner. Um, and, uh, and I think that can help, you know, change the discussion of, what a man's role is in this, you know, that it's not just a part of the language, but, you know, deposit sperm, <laughs> but you're part of this journey as well. And you have a role to play in that. And, and you can have a very powerful role as well. And I, and I guess from an even science standpoint, there, there's, there's always been this idea that women's fertility decline, but, um, and men's don't because every three months their sperm will regenerate, but actually that has completely been debunked men's fertility will also decline and the quality of their sperm will also decline. So, and actually, even the women blame themselves so much for fertility. Uh, Linda Farhani, who's our fertility specialist, wrote a, a great blog about subfertility and, and she identifies and, and we posted that, that over 50% of subfertility is actually driven by male factors, not female factors. And, um, and the intervention for men are a lot easier than the interventions for women. So actually, one of the first things when we speak to women is we really encourage them to have the dialogue with their husbands about them also having to take a, t- a sperm test and, um, um, and the importance of supplements for men, um, because that can hugely improve improve their chances. So, so it's also science backed, right? It's not, um, and there's a physical element as well as an emotional element. You just mentioned you're working actually with a range of experts on fertility, and you're looking to back, you, or you're backing your product in science, right? Um, I'd be interested. How do you translate the scientific insight that probably you went through the process from? not knowing much about it to actually talking to the to the people and uh, researching it and um, working with top scientists in the field to actually translating that into a product can you walk us through a bit about that and maybe also the difficulties that you face with that or how how do you translate this science out there into actually a product that works for people yeah so we've developed a 12-week program with our experts and and um and the the 12-week program tackles three main areas one is fertility education the second one is nutrition and the third one is emotional support particularly around helping reduce anxiety and stress and that all all the modules that we've developed the educational modules and coaching modules have all been developed in conjunction with our um, advisors and they've they range from fertility obstetrician um, uh, maternal nutrition um, and um, clinical psychologist and it's a it's a very easy 
way to engage with the product. Every week you have a module across one of those those uh, domains uh, and the women engage with it on a daily basis. We developed also a uh, meditation daily meditation with a mindfulness coach around a woman's uh, reproductive cycle. So that's kind of how we've in, we've uh, distilled all the knowledge from them. Um, we've created these modules written by them, actually, by all the doctors. And what they've done is trying to just filter the latest science um, into very tangible steps that women can take in their lifestyle to improve their fertility. Mm -hmm. When you're developing this product, do you think there's a need like or when you went through it was there a need to come with radically different come up with radically different testing methods or is it more about applying what's already out there repackaging it enabling people to do it at home and innovating on that process um, yeah. again I, I bring up the example of thriver again but the blood tests they are doing they're not radically new they're yeah. just enabling people to do them at yeah, home yeah it's How access it's yeah. access because now a lot of women they'll have to be trying for six months to a year before they even qualify for the tests uh, you need to miscarry three times before you even speak to a specialist and a lot of the information that you get out there is quite fragmented it, it won't necessarily look at your emotional health as well as your physical and fertility health and what we're doing is we're breaking down the access barrier. So on our platform, you order the test at any point, at any age, even before you start trying. Um, we have channels that people can submit and speak directly to specialists, not a GP, but specialist in fertility, obstetrician, obstetrics and uh, nutrition and um, psychology. And, uh, and, and everything is, everything is on the ease of your app, of your mobile phone, right? So we're take, we're completely breaking that down. People can get it all in one place. Yeah, and I think um, the other element here beyond access is also trust. Um, you know, this is a very personal or important issue, and it's very hard to sift through this. You know, we experience that ourselves. So, you know, for instance, you know, on a cursory research, people might think, well, if I get my AMH test done, um, you know, that'll be great and that's a good indicator. Well, the truth is, like, you actually to really understand this, you need to test several different hormones, then you understand how they interact. And you understand how the, the combination of that may be indicative of your ovarian reserve, or these other elements, right? And so it's very important, we found to really create that sort of trusted research product, you know, we could probably sell individual hormone tests at a lower price. And, and maybe that would be easier for people, but it'd be very misleading. We see that happening in other areas. And so I think the other element around that is, is really, you know, having been us getting into the science, working directly with these leading experts in the field to ensure that we're really putting the right quality of tests together. Mm -hmm. Throughout this journey from facing these issues yourself to creating a solution to it, if you reflect on this journey, what do you think for you personally, what's been the bit biggest misconception that you had initially or the biggest learning that you had throughout this journey that you might want to share with people that are in similar situation now? Is there anything that you would now advise people that you wish you knew when you started out or when you had this problem yourself? I'd go back to the taboo topic. Mm. I think when something is very taboo, you delay diagnosis, you delay treatment, and you create an environment that's just very hard for somebody to thrive in. 
And I, I underestimated how much of that taboo affected me personally when I was going through it. And even now encouraging women to talk about it. Um, I think it's, uh, it's a little bit of a, a learning curve for everybody, for all women, that it's fine to talk about it. It's fine to share. You know, and, and I go back to, 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 uh, like the Michelle Obama example and other celebrities actually. And I think that will really kind of help. Um, move the needle and move it a lot faster because, you know, we even have users that will come to us and they still feel very ashamed about it. They'll even feel ashamed talking about it to their partners. So it's very, very much ingrained in our culture um, that this this is a difficult topic. Um, and I think I, I underestimated how how much it had affected me when I was going through it and how much it's still very prevalent across across the board. Yeah, and for me, uh, some links to that is. Um you, when you take a step back from this, you think about it, it's just shocking that people don't have a plan. Like, and I didn't have a plan. I knew for decades that I wanted to have kids. I had no plan. I hadn't thought about it. Like, I think I'm a decently educated person, but it's like idiotic, right? <laughs> like when you now take a step back after all we went through and all we learned and all that we learned that we could have known beforehand. And then you talk to people and no, nobody has a plan for this, right? But it's arguably one of the most important things in their lives, you know? So... That's um, just shocking, and I think that's a behavior that's going to change, and a behavior that we we, we want to change, and uh, and someone to make that both more proactive, but an empowering thing for people as as well. Um, and I think that's the uh, to me really the eye opener of disjoint between how important this is and how little we actually plan for it and, and get on top of it. When you look at the next ten years, maybe uh, you're. Just at the beginning of your company, you've achieved a lot, but uh, if you look at the next 10 years, what's the sort of world you're trying to help create with, with your company? What's, what world do you want to live in in 10 years where you can, might be able to contribute with, with Adia? I mean, I, we, we're starting now with fertility and conception, but our, our goal in 10 years is really to develop a product that handholds a woman throughout all the life stages in her reproductive health, all the way to menopause. Because talk about another taboo subject is uh, is the whole perimenopause and menopause life stage. So it's it's really kind of being able to see our product develop all through all of that. And, you know, and as we're growing, as we're learning, as we're understanding and having, you know, more knowledge of interventions and their impacts is honing our product to become a lot more personalized and a lot more predictive um, so that anybody who comes onto the platform, we can understand their context and be able to predict already what a, what a future care pathway would be for them. Yeah. And I mean, for me, it's going back to this plan, you know, like we have a plan for our college, you know, college education for our kids. We have a plan for our retirement, you know, all this. I want to see, you know, 80% of people plus having a plan for their fertility and, and ideally to have that globally, you know, and, and we see this need in developed countries as much as in emerging markets as we're starting to see some users come on from places like Kenya that don't have access to care, don't have good quality care, but this type of education can be empowering still about what they can do and how they can think about that, you know, in, in their own context. And so more that we can help empower people with that plan that's also personalized to their context or situation, their goals, that can be incredibly powering, empowering for people and, and really change, you know, systemically change this area of health. Thanks very much. With that, we're already wrapping up. Um, thanks very much for taking the time and for spreading this message and making people aware of it. I think it's a really good beginning that we start talking about this more, but it's even more amazing to see that you guys actually developed the solution to this. Um, so I wish you all the best on that journey.
And thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks. This was Impact Hustlers. Impact Hustlers is brought to you by Fast Forward 2030 and Real Changers. Visit fastforward.com to learn how to include the global goals into your business model and realchangers.com to find talent and careers with impact. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share the episode, leave us a review and consider becoming a supporter on buymeacoffee.com slash impacthustlers. This means a lot to me. Thank you very much for tuning in and see you next time. Bye.